Okay, I'll see y'all don't need to pay. Y'all need to pay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I already got my eyes open. Yeah. The first one anyway. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Hey, we back, guys. Episode number seven, interview. Cigar Talk Wednesday. We got CC Calhoun sitting right here. Me and Carlos Harvest is your host. Uh, we're going to get straight to it, man. Uh, first off, I want to say something, man. This guy here is a legend in the city. Pillar in the community. He's done a lot for the family and other families. He's a family guy. Uh, pretty much, he raised me. If, if y'all don't know, that's it's my cousin, blood cousin. Yeah. But yeah, man, he. Family he to us all, though. Of course, of course. Uh, stand up guy, man. I mean, you can he'll get your shirt off his back. But uh, I just want to say that briefly. Well, we're gonna get it started. Uh, first question is, uh, tell us, uh, tell us a time in your life where your life was altered. I mean, the time of my life, first of all, let me say this. I want to just thank you and Carlos for inviting me on today on Cigar and Talk. And, uh, you know, it's all about like that testimony you just gave, you know, it's just about giving back, you know, when you can help a young people as you go through life, man. And you can just see the works of their labor when you put into them. And, you know, it's, it's a pushing part that you continue to push. My son, you and all you guys came up together. So it is, so a time of my life was just, you know, when being married after school, doing things that I wanted to do in career-wise, having a family, it really gave me a chance to give back and just see where I wanted to be with my family and then young people around in order to grow our community. So that basically kind of changed my life. And kind of led, I know one of your questions is what got me into politics, and that kind of led me getting into politics to try to see how as we move for people in the future and just see a change in, in this community. You know, I grew up in Montgomery uh, from the Chicken Shack. You know, everybody know what that is. Greater Washington Park, Twin Gate, you know, went to public school. And I just wanted to just try to give back and just be a part and make myself visible to the young people in this community. Okay, I heard you mention, mention that you're from Montgomery. What was it like growing up in your younger years yeah, you know, in Montgomery? Basically, in my younger years, with, with things that's going on in our community today with, you know, the thing with the... the um, justice thing you know i came up in a school system that you know based the integrated school system and you know and you know i went from twin gate all the way to jeff davis high school to compete in sports and you know when you look at uh the west side of montgomery we passed by a carver high school to go to jeff davis and people went from uh uh, young Fort Village over to Jeff Davis, Smiley Court to Jeff Davis. So we left all around. And so we was into a system where we was integrated. So, you know, growing up in Montgomery was rewarding to me. You know, everybody looked out for each other. And I got a chance to meet friends from both sides of the aisle, okay. you know, that I continue to grow with to this day. Okay. 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 Uh, what what is some of your favorite places you would say that you like to go to in Montgomery, Alabama? You know, I'm my later place. You know, when you look at Montgomery, you know, I like going downtown. I hang out downtown. You know, I like spending a lot of time with family. You know, doing family events. But if I'm just trying to get out, you know, and just hang out a little bit in Montgomery, I'm gonna go downtown. That's the where the growth is. You know, if you think back when you guys were young and when I was young, there was nothing to do downtown. Downtown basically closed at five o'clock. Yeah. You know, so we invested in the downtown, and you know, most places that you travel throughout this nation. You know, things are built around downtown in your airport. Yes. So we invested in the downtown, and it, it's, you know, it's paying off for the dividends that we invested that money in downtown with Biscuit Baseball. So I just enjoy sports. So if I can get out, Alabama State games, you know, Crampton Bowl, watching high school, I just want to be involved where I can show myself visible and people can come up and touch me. I want to I stay on this question for That's a second. Um, you dope. touched on a lot that was important, but what are you guys' plans for downtown? Yeah, we want to continue. You know, we're in a tough time right now with COVID-19 out there, you know, all throughout this nation. Economically, we're, we're done. So we're basically 
trying to wave, you know, the community health, the citizens of Montgomery health versus our economic impact. You know, everybody throughout this nation has been uh, affected by economic impact. So what we're looking at downtown and continue to grow on it. You know, we want to continue with the venues that going to attract young professionals like yourself to come down and just do like you say, cigar and talk, you know, just communicate and try to grow. We got to leave this community better than what it was when we found it 25 years exactly. ago. Exactly. Yeah. Truly believe that. Truly believe that. Um, it's a two-part question. Um, how long have you been a councilman and what prompted you to run for office? Okay, it's a two-part answer. At first, I was elected <laughs> in 2003. And uh, I served for 12 years, and I was uh, upseated by 20 votes. Uh, and I came back and ran again in 2019. I won again. And so it was a two-part. And it always prompted me. I wanted to see my community grow. When I first got involved in politics, it started through coaching uh, Southern League baseball, getting involved with the youth. And I saw some things out there. I'm like, hey, we could do this a little better. So, you know, I started talking, and, and people encouraged me to say, you know, get involved. I never thought I'd run for politics, but once I got into it, and it's just like serving your people, serving the constituents, you know, within the thing, and just want to see Montgomery better, you know. When you traveled all over the world, me being a military guy, I have seen things different. So I'm like, hey, why can't we have this at home? So with some of the things you have to get at the table in order to make change. So, True. you know, I, I sat around, talked with some people, prayed about it. And, you know, threw my aim in the hat, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to win in 2003 in the Surgeon Citizen of Montgomery for 12 years, lost by 20 votes, came back. You know, they saw enough confidence in me to send me back to continue on some things that we started in the beginning. That's, that's dope. Well, what would you say the top three responsibilities of being a councilman? And, you know, and that's something that's it's a misconception in the community. One of my major responsibilities is making sure that we um, – approve or have a sound budget for the city of montgomery you know the mayor presents a budget we got to make sure all departments are funded you know because basically the job of a city council is to make sure that the citizens have a service mm -hmm. you know if your trash not being picked up you're gonna have some issues if the police don't come when you call you got some issues so we want to make sure we have a sound budget and, and you know a lot of things people don't know we got a lot of non-profits within our budget that we try to fund okay. you know but that's not really our responsibility you know it's for the service you know we want to be a, a pillar in the community and try to help as many nonprofits that we possibly can. So we have to try to generate funds, make sure we're being stewards of the money that you guys entrusted us to manage. And, you know, and just make laws that's going to govern this city of Montgomery to make sure that we're doing the things, you know, everybody, we're in this police state, we're not really into that now, but we got to have laws within our communities in order to govern people. Everybody's not going to do what's right. So those are the things that we, we have to do. It, it just makes sure we got sound legislation to kind of run this city and pay, make that sound budget uh, okay. to operate. Um, by me being a, a nonprofit, having a nonprofit 501c3, how do we go about go go about trying to receive money from the city council? Key, you you're five hundred one c three. You know, we ask that you know you be vetted and you're vetted through a five hundred c three. We want you to come before the council, present your plan on what you're trying to do, and uh, you know, and just solicit the council. You know, a lot of people will just solicit the the, the council district that their nonprofit oh, yeah. is in. But it's nine of us, mm -hmm. and it's not just nine city council. You got five county commissions. You got everybody that you can reach out that have pools of money, and you know we want to help. But what happens? A lot of people don't know how to get there. But that's the key to it. You got to have contacts and connections to touch the people that you can touch, and present your program, present your plan. Okay, and it's just about relationships. Okay, and because me and Rashad was just dialoguing, and mm -hmm. he has uh, Colo, and I have Score for Achievement, so we're trying to put on a kick the kickball event that okay. I normally do. So we're going to collab together this year mm -hmm. and um, 
we gonna do the book bag things, the haircuts, yeah, the mm-hmm. uh, um, just have a fun day, mm-hmm. really, pretty much. We just having a fun day before the kids go back to school, right? And we're trying to trying to work it out now. I understand with the COVID thing that's going on, mm-hmm. um, we're just trying to work work out the kinks so we can do it before they go back to school. Okay. Like we always do. So, and I and I would suggest to you and anybody that's out there that's listening, if you got something, you know, we help a lot of people. We get to meet, and you know, I do a lot with what my control budget is, that what I, my contingency my contingency fund, what people call it, my discretionary account. And I try to help as many people as I possibly can, but it's only so far the money can go. Yeah. So first in, first get supported. Yeah, I totally you know, understand. So, <laughs> you know, and you have to be persistent when you're doing that kind of stuff. You know, and that's why I encourage: just don't ask one, ask all nine. You know, if you're looking for $2,500, for example, you know, don't ask that one council person because they got so many that they try to do. If you can get $300 from each council member, that's $2,700 and you met your goal. Exactly. Because we all want what's best for Montgomery and the youth in Montgomery because they are the future. Exactly. You know, they may be 50% of our population, but they 100% of our future. So we just try to encourage and we like people to work with, you know, because I'm getting so much out of touch i can touch you guys but i ain't really reaching them them eight young. nine year, ten yeah, year old you know yeah, yeah that's a that's a that's a great way of of coming at yeah, it approaching it yeah, you know that that's a that's a great way to approach it and i'll talk to rashad and we'll okay and i know both of you guys and any way i can help you you know i'm willing to do that okay i appreciate that mm-hmm. appreciate that um what is the biggest misconception people have about the duties and responsibilities of a councilman uh I think, the, and I had some calls this week on that, and I think one of the big misconceptions is that we are the do-all on everything. You know, the councilman can fix everything, you know. And, and, it, and it comes with the ter- territory because when you look at a city councilman, we are local. We are the grassroots politicians. You can touch us, you know. But, you know, everybody's in the game, got some skin in the game. So I get calls about, you know, I got crime going on in my neighborhood but that's the police responsibility it's already law so you know i get calls about those and you want to be encouraging because you know people call the council person because we can direct which way you go well you need to do this and we can get involved it might be a different thing if i call chief finland and say i got an issue over here versus you calling so you know it's it's one of those things where we get well you can stop that crime you know we get all that and you hear a lot of people run for politics one of the biggest things they say, we're going to stop crime. I'm like, when you figure that out, you're going to be a rich person. Because so y'all are pretty much like the first contact. We're the first contact, and, you know, we have to get it through. And, you know, we local people can touch you. I'm not at the state house where you don't have to see me. People, everything that comes is, is because you live in the city. You know, if your street light out, that's an Alabama power function, but they call the city councilman. You know, so it, it's one of those things that we can fix. And we try to, you know, and so that's one of the things that, people get caught up you know that i can make your neighbor cut their grass no we can make laws to punitive penalize your neighbor for not cutting the grass but there's a process people feel like they call councilman calhoun uh little johnny gonna cut that grass in a minute no little johnny ain't gonna listen to me just like he don't listen to you so we just have to work it through the system so but it's an ongoing process in the midst and i try to do is try to educate my constituent base on what my job really entails up okay you know, I get a lot, like it been raining this week. Now, I might get a call and say, well, hey, my street, my drain is not flowing. My first I eat is it's broke. The drain is not broke. It's just clogged up, oh, no, and it's no. in front of your property. But people say, well, I'm not going to do that. That's the city's responsibility. That's the city. That's the sanitation. Yeah, san- yeah. That's the sanitation. And we all know, you know, 
it take two, three, four days for the sanitation to get there to do it. But trust it take you 15 minutes to go out there with a shelf. I trust me, I know. Oh, you've been I there. for the sanitation department before, so yes, I sir. totally so understand that. It's yeah. one of those things. It's just it's an ongoing education process. You know, you have to be able to do it because, you know, I, one of my friends told me the other day, you went out and you asked people for their vote. And um, they want you to be able to deliver when you call. And one of the key things is to pick up the phone, whether you can help them or you can't, and just try to give them guidance. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. In your opinion, what do you believe are the top three pressing concerns in the district that you represent? Okay, right now, you know, when I look speak at the district, I'm going to speak as Montgomery as a whole because, as we know, in a nation, we're going through COVID-19. Gotcha. We're going through the protesting with what happened with George Floyd, which was a disgrace. You know, I just want to go on record. That was a disgrace. That should never happen to anyone. You know, you shouldn't even treat an animal that way. So we got those things going on where we're trying to wave the wave between those two and then we we got tough decisions on whether we go right now for economics you know because we know we coming into a tough budget season because nobody got nothing about budget all i know when the police call and the fire department call and the sanitation people call we want to blink but you got to realize the city budget is basically 91 percent employees you know we got to have people to do those jobs so those are three crucial issues for the city of montgomery for District 1 through 9. So mm-hmm. District 5 hurts, District 1 hurts because we got we got tough decisions to make right now. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer, I don't like cutting anybody's job because it's been a tough time. And you know, talking with mayor, the mayor, he's like, we don't want to lay people off, we want to do that. But we got to really figure out a point to encourage people to go out and do the things, social distancing, wearing these masks, and then coming out and say, hey, when are we gonna make the call to get back open? So we can kind of generate revenue, but that's a tough call. Do you you, you weigh economics over life? Definitely. But that's a that's a tough decision that we're gonna have to weigh. You know, I got colleagues. We're ready to open up now. You know, curfew. We're ready to lift the curfew because in some of the entertainment business, you can't open because you got to close at ten. Yeah. You know, so you, you we look at things like you know, with all these things, we shut down for fourteen days and ask people to stay at home. Number especially stayed flat. You know, we're on a roller coaster now. The governor opened some things up. Now people getting out, thinking it's normal, things going up and down. But it, it's tough right now. And those three things, COVID-19, the protest that's going on, and uh, trying to see where we're going to go economically, uh, try to keep Montgomery on a solid foundation. So those are three pressing issues right now for all districts. Okay, okay. Um, uh, in your opinion, what's more important to our city right now? Building new homes? And commercial space are rehabbing, expanding, better utilizing the existing homes and storefronts that we have. I think that's a good three-part question. And just in my opinion, you know, when you look at my district, you know, I got some areas that need revitalization. You need need homes being torn down. And in some parts of my district, I don't need that. So we just got to weigh those things. I think it's important that we have a good balance on the commercial development, you know, just take for instance, Normandale Shopping Center. Okay. Yeah. You know, that was a prime thing, but you know, things grow. Montgomery has grown east, eastward, and you know, Normandale has been neglected. So my ideal of Normandale Shopping Center is to push it down. Mm-hmm. You know, get government involved in it, state, county, city, whatever we need to do to push it down. We got the land and repurpose it. And, and what I mean by that, you know, we have a compass bank there. We have a Dollar General. We have a barbershop, we have things within that, then we got all this vacant space. Push it down, give them first opportunity to come in there with city 
uh, incentives that we can help them to get that back started. And it don't have to be as big. It mm-hmm. can be something like a Midtown Plaza that's right across from Applebee's. Okay. And we come in and put, a clean, put some key essentials in for the community can use it. And we start redeveloping around there. Gotcha. So, you know, so it's, it's basically commercial property that's been down. You know, we got to, you just have to wait. New development. I'm always for new development because that means our city is growing. But we still got to reach back and try to take care of some of these older properties. You know, I tell people all the time, it can look good yeah. and be old. Look at me. Mm. I'm old and I look good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, you just got to put some work in it, you know, put a, some paint on it. Take care yourself. And, and just take care. Take care of your properties. And, you know, it, it takes a lot. And we have to, you know, get out there and push those homes down and get those things clean. And it's an ongoing process because as soon as you do 15, there's 15 more that yeah. just popped up. So, so I think to answer your question, we got to, you know, keep a good balance between the commercial properties, new development, and then taking care of what's old out here in this, in this city. Okay. Uh, name a few things in your district um, that offers to the youth, mm-hmm. that you can offer to the youth. You know, I think – in the district, you know, we have, I have the, uh, the well, now it's the Midtown Y. You know, they offer programs uh, for youth and uh, young people, for all adults. You know, it's a family-oriented place. You know, we have the Southern League for baseball. So, you know, I think with our youth, some of the things that drives them, if you can get them involved in some kind of team sport or team activity, and, you know, like you guys do, I know you guys work with youth and coaching, and just getting them out there and getting them involved with stuff. And so what we try to do with the Y I know a lot of people say, well, the Boys and Girls Club, the why it costs money to go. The key to it is as an elected official to try to find grants and send funds to those why to okay. give some underprivileged children that don't have a parents or the wherewithal to get into those programs. Okay. And that's where we come in, like you asked earlier, how we try to help with nonprofits and grants and things. So we, we got a lot of activities. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, there's nothing for the youth to do. I beg the difference on that. You know, it's about what you want to get your child involved with. You know, Montgomery hadn't changed. I got a 34-year-old son. I got him involved in every activity <coughs> I possibly can. He was fortunate enough to sign a baseball scholarship, but if we never put him out there, he'd never get that opportunity. So it's just spending time and finding young mentors to just instill in young men. I mean, I'm, I'm real key on young men because the eventual future going to be family men. You're going to do things. So the foundation stand with how you build things around you. And I think uh, with that, though, if you putting that into the uh, mentors or the organizations that the mentors have mm-hmm. and you just empowering them with the information mm-hmm. and they can give the information over to the people also. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the key too. what we have to try to expand. You get it to, and you know, with some of these organizations like your program, we got to find organizations that say, Hey man, I can house you in there on two, three days to come in and teach these kids that's coming to my product. And it just keep expanding, you know, cause we got so many people doing the same thing. It's just, how do we partner these, these groups up? to see how we can serve our community better. And I think that's what we try to support. Because everybody wants what's best for the kids. Everybody True. get True. My program is no better than know it, but we want what's best. But it's how do we work together to get it, collaborate it together to make it happen. Because we want to see, I'm from Montgomery, you from Montgomery, we want to see the best for our place. Definitely. You know, we go around, we want to represent three. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, can you give us one policy or city ordinance you would like to change or improve to benefit Sir, to better serve your district. Okay, and, 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 and this, I'm going to speak by my district because I'm all about my district and what's best for Montgomery. 
one of the things that I, I would say that we would change, and it has to be changed on a state level ordinance. I don't believe in litter. I don't believe in people driving down throwing things out of the, on the street. I think when when you're caught doing that, you need to be punitive, double the fine. I think it's a hundred and fifty dollar fine. It needs to be three hundred dollar fine. And you know, and if you're a repeat offender, you need to get because you know we all live here. Exactly. And you're going somewhere that's going to have a trash can. That's one. And repeat offenders that might be live next door to you or someone on these absentee landlords that buy up all this property because uh, Alabama property taxes is so low that I can live in New York and, and buy up 20 and never see it and just own it for a tax write-off. I think we need to come up with a plan or an ordinance that we stop that on repeat offenders that's not operating to take care of their property. Just for instance, the guy that owns Normandale Shopping Center lives in New York, so he don't get to see it every day. Exactly. You know, so you got to deal. He's absent. You know, you can't do it. He don't see it as a tax write-off. So we have to come in and say we make that punitive. And if you're a repeat offender two years in a row, we, we by intimate domain, we take that property. And the city do what we need to do to get it right where it can service our, our communities better. So that's something that we're working on now to try to get done. Because I saw that over 12 years, and it hadn't changed. Mm. And four years off, and, four, and now I'm starting my next year, and it's still the same. So we got to change the policies. And what I have noticed and so many people make the policy on the properties. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to get changed. I'm just being real, keeping it safe, cigar and talk, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. most of the people that make these policies own these properties. So, you know, we just got to find a way that we can get around and make these things happen. And, and one of the policies, and, and it goes out where when we look at me as a local official, and it just happened, if you guys following what the city council does, we came in to try to. Um, raise what we call the occupational tax within the city of Montgomery to do some of the infrastructure things that we need in Montgomery. But we have a local uh, a state legislator that comes out and say, well, you nine and ten people that was elected in Montgomery don't know how to run Montgomery. Mm. And I think that needs to change. I think every city needs to have home rule. <clears throat> and that's something that we need to work with our local delegation to make happen. Okay. Describe the strategy you use when making difficult decisions regarding the implementation of policies or and or programs? Okay, one of the things that I like to do, and at the end of the day, I was elected to make a decision. So at the end of the day, I'm going to make the decision that I feel that's best uh, suits my district and what's best for Montgomery. But what I like to do, I like to bounce things around about my constituent base. Uh, people, you know, talk it out. You know, this is what we're thinking about doing. What are your thoughts? Because I don't know it all. And I can get it from different perspectives, you know, exactly. uh, it coming from a young man between this age group, this age, because you have to talk to the people that it's going to affect. We make laws and we don't ever talk to the people that it's going to affect and it'd be the wrong thing to do. That's why I work now in this country. We're talking about we need to, you know, revitalize police laws because people make police laws that never have been on the other side okay. of the law. Okay. So, you know, we have to do things where you talk it out. And at the end of the day, uh, a wise man told me, at the end of the day, you have to be able to go to sleep with the decision that you made. Everybody's not going to like it. But, you know, if you bounce it around, and I'm like, well, hey, man, I, okay, I heard that, but this is why I think we need to do that. I try to just bounce things around, talk talk to my parents, talk to people that I kind of, in my social, you know, my distance and that I talk with, and just get a feel on it before I make the, the final decision on what's going to affect the people. It's going to affect me but it's going to affect the other people too. So, you know, that's what you try, try to talk with people and see what, what, how it affects you and what are your thoughts on it before I make that final decision. But that's a good strategy though, yeah. because yeah. you're incorporating people because you want to get the feel of the people. Get the feel of the people because yeah. it's going to affect the people. Because it's going to affect the yeah. people, that's yeah. true. And then, you know, it's not going to make everybody happy. 
Some people going to say, man, that CC don't never do what we say. <laughs> but, you know, if I can talk with some people, then you got you got fillers out there in the community. When they say, well, man, the guy talked to her, we talked, and this is what we thought was best. So you get people involved in the process. I'm just one vote. But I got 24,000 people, other voices that can come to me and talk to me about things. And that's why I said earlier, as an elected official, especially on a local level, you have to make yourself accessible. Yeah. People got to be and feel comfortable coming up and talking to you. One so, of the most important parts of it. Most definitely. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, you, you know, you got hundreds of people calling or emailing you saying, hey, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, or did you forget about me? Mm -hmm. what, you, what, what, what can you say to those people? Because I know, we all know that mm -hmm. it still has to be, it's still a, a situation where you have to present it mm -hmm. in order for it to be passed. Right. But you still have those folks saying, hey, he doing this, he's not doing that, he doing this. What would you say to those people right now? What I can say to those people, and, you know, and I understand that because everybody, you know, you was elected and everybody, you know, you get this thing and it's funny that you get this and you got to love the job. Oh, man, we elected, he ain't doing this. I voted for you. But as a, as a candidate yeah. or as a elected, you don't know who voted for you. All you know if you won. You're just grateful <laughs> that you're doing it. But one of the things I want people to understand, the city of Montgomery, a city this size and nine elected officials, city council we have no staff and and, and that, that's kind of tough when you represent 24,000 people or more and you have no staff it's just me me that cell phone and, and, and a couple clerks down there but we have no staff Birmingham city council have staff uh, Huntsville Mobile cities outside we have no staff we have two interns that work for nine people so you call you know a lot of people say what all politics they don't, they don't they don't answer the phone it's just me yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where we try to work, we try to get better with it. And uh, I use my intern a lot. I send information that you get me. And what I would suggest to people, if you call not just me, any other official, leave a clear message. If you can say what it's about, what do you want, and then I can be working on that before right. I call you back. Instead of me calling you back, then you tell me now I got to call. Because you get so many calls within the daytime, and that's a misconception. Gotcha. They ain't doing that. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. But, yeah, we want to talk and we want to serve the people. I would have never ran for this job if it wasn't about service. It had nothing to do with pay. You ain't, ain't going to make me rich. You know, it's about going out and serving the people to see what you could do better to make it happen. So that's one of the things I want people to understand. We have no staff. We're working on trying to get a staff. It's new leadership with, with Mayor so Reed. That so but, you know, COVID-19 hit. Yeah. We was talking about doing those things. So it might not be this year. But as we go forward, like I said, we want to leave things better than what you found it. So yeah. whether it be me in the next four years or whatever, you want to leave them equipped where they can have to be able to service the people. Because okay. people lose so many seats based on people say you didn't give them no service. But you're doing the best you can with what you have. Exactly. So y'all so are working on something so y'all can be better staff. We can be better staff. We, okay. You know, if we don't come out to get nine, Birmingham, each council member have three staff members. Mm. Have a chief of staff, and they have two people that they can, you know, kind of maneuver, that can go to some of these community meetings. What people don't understand also, I represent 14 communities, and, and I have a lot of concepts that people think, I just, you just represent my community, but wow. it's 14. And everybody have community meetings, but some of them be on the same night. Uh, this one at six o'clock. This one at six thirty. This one, at, and you can't make them all. So you try to do it, but if you had staff, you can send them around, and then you they can get the information and bring it back to you. So that's one of the things that uh, a good friend of mine, Doctor C, right, tell me, man, it's hard to do the job when you don't have no help. 
Yeah, you want to be so stretched thin. Yeah, you yeah. kind of like stretched thin. If you got, if you service in fourteen communities, it's mm-hmm. kind of impossible yeah. for you to make all mm-hmm. of those mean. Because nine times out of ten, a lot yeah. of them gonna be on the Tuesday night, yeah. or yeah. Tuesday because you because you got Bible study on Wednesday. Wednesdays. You got Tuesday night. Tuesday some of them had Saturday morning. Exactly. When so I was first elected Saturday morning, me used to wear me out, man. I'm yeah. like, I think, I think, <laughs> well, what you just said, you just answered. Hundreds of questions right. that people have at home. And people that don't know. They just think yeah. we're fully staffed. You know, the mayor's office staff. Everybody works for the mayor. You know, he have a full staff. And another misconception is the city council does not work for the mayor of Montgomery. Or no mayor. Okay. We was elected by the people. You know, I get calls sometimes. They just use me. I'm going to call the mayor and tell on him. I'm like, okay. He was, we was all elected by the same people. We yeah. represent the same district. You know, so the former mayor actually lives in this district. Lives around the street. So... You know, we talk things out and we, we have a good working relationship. And the key to it on, on the council is, you know, we don't have staff, but what you have to do is be a relationship with your colleague. Because, like I say, I'm only one vote. I can't get nothing passed by myself. But you have to have relationships in order to try to sway vote. You ain't going to win them all. Exactly. Some of them you win, some of them you don't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the game is if somebody do something for you, you gonna, they going to ask for that back. Definitely. Sooner or later now. Yeah, sooner or later. It's a barter system. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> Okay, um, okay, what are the most most important steps that Montgomery leaders can take to enhance relationships with their constituents? You know, that's that's simple. Being visible, being you know, visible. being out, you know, just don't get caught up in your box where no one can see you or touch you. You know, community means to some of the things, you know. I'm a big sports fan, so, you know, I'm out at Crampton Bowl. I'm out Alabama State watching high school games so people can actually see you. And I always say never get too important where the people that you serve is not important. So, you know, you just got to be one of those people that you can be touchable, be visible, and, you know, got to love what you do. And you can't do this job if you don't love people. You know, I mean, you got all walks of life. I got from this high echelon down to the bottom, but, you know, you got to be the same with all. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy that's standing on the street corner, treat him just the same as I treat somebody, you know, that's a CEO or a company because I represent them all. And if as I grow this district and grow Montgomery, you know, I'm a firmly, as Montgomery go, District 5 will be fine. Mm-hmm. District 1 will be fine. But if I'm stopping the growth for Montgomery, we all suffer because our biggest revenue is our tax base. Mm-hmm. So we got to generate that tax base in order to set a foundation to go forward. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's a, that's a great answer because mm-hmm. even though you, you, uh, you represent District 5, mm-hmm. But you still put other districts in mind too, like, hey, I'm willing to come in and and whatever you guys need me to do, I'm willing to step in. We all together. Step so in. So you put Montgomery first before yep. then your district mm-hmm. manage yourself. Because it say in that paper you got it says I'm a Montgomery City Council and I represent Most District definitely. Five. And if you think about, you know, you look at, at life and how things come in circle. In '03, when I was first elected, one of the first things I tried to do with Gateway Park, uh, colleague mine had an idea. I just wanted to enhance it. Um, was we talked about a water park you know when we look at all those hotels on the other side of mobile highway over what gateway park is you know we talked about that and you know i had a vision we went out to try to recruit people to come in and do a water park they changed the concept of the mobile highway but look at it it's 17 years later same looking hotel we tore down all those hotels getting it ready for growth we stalemated it got blocked on the city council we didn't make it happen now we're looking at we got the thing that's going over where Riverside used to be, mm. where we talking about the water work that the county, the city, and everybody's coming in. You know, I'm happy for it. I shouldn't be better because it's the growth of Montgomery. Definitely. When we look at um, this, this is not a water park. 
it's white water. It's something that where there's going to be rowing and, 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 and restaurants and bars and things. So that's entertainment to keep people here in Montgomery. Young professionals want to leave because they look at nightlife. What, what are we doing? So that's something that's 17 years in the making that just coming to fruition. But COVID-19, but we're working on to make that happen. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm trying to leave something behind for people like yourself, my grandkids, where they can hear Exactly. So, you know, you just got to continue invest and keep sticking it. I don't care who making it, who deal. Yeah. It's just make sure it happens. As long as it get done. Yeah. So yeah. it's something similar to the one that's in Auburn? No, it's, it's that's what we was trying to do in 0304. Okay. But this is like where it's going to be rafting. You're going to have the uh, bungee thing. It's just a whole works, man. I mean, oh, okay. and it's taking up all those acres. And the deal was, you know, the city kind of offered the, the, the property when we took it over from the fair from Riverside. It was just a collaboration of the county, the city, everybody doing what they need to do to make it happen. Okay. You know, the movement of the Salvation Army and all that stuff. We got all that stuff worked out to make what happened for Montgomery. And it's right off downtown. And another thing, everybody thinks... Uh, Every district, every part of Montgomery is going to have retail. It's not going to happen. You know, it's nowhere in the world that everywhere, you know, every, when we're going to do development, we want retail here. We want retail here. We want retail here. And now we can have retail restaurants. You can have a small portion of retail. You know, Montgomery is not large enough to, to survive with four malls or exactly. five malls. Yeah. You know, we're not a New York, you know. So you got to look at what fits, and that's where our strategic plan comes in on how we develop throughout this city. You know, we look at Fabview. Yeah, we, we can't put a mall on Fabview. And everybody thinks development is Walmart. That, that, that ain't it, you know. So we got to find different things to go. I, you know, my idea for a Fabview, why not put an Applebee's? We can get an Applebee's over there. You know, make the lower part of Fabview down on the western part of Fabview, just like when you're going east with an old clover there. Yes. You know, a couple of spots where you can go in there, eat and walk through there. That's an ideal thing. So, you know, we just got to keep going and take things like this that gets out and let people know we got to be visionaries on how we change the look of Montgomery. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, Being a visionary, yep. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Don't be so close-minded. Yep. Don't yep. be so close-minded. Mm -hmm. But people got to understand it's a process, too. Though. It's a process. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I want it. If you think it's a great idea, I believe it's a great idea. But, you know, the thing is, we always say, you know, anybody that invests their money want a return on their investment. I'm not going to put $10,000 in for $8,000 back. That don't make good sense. <laughs> You know, so you're going to invest in that. You want to return on your investment. And, and that's what we have to look at. What's fit? You know, why are we not developing in West Montgomery? Okay. The people that ask that question, are you an investor in West Montgomery? So I want what's happening in West Montgomery, just like everybody else. The mayor office want what happened in West Montgomery. We all want it. We want our city to be way around it. But when we go out to try to recruit investors, you know, they got to come in and see where, um, I can get a return on my dollar. My uncle always told me, retail follows rooftops. If you're not building homes, you're not going to get retail. Yeah. Each taste is growing because they're building homes. That's the development. So most of all the new developments of retail is going to be around where they're building new homes. So if you're not building, we're, we're leaving. Smiley Coat is closing. Yeah. That's more people moving somewhere else. You know, so you got to find, but we can find things within the community that the community, like cleaners, everybody get the clothes clean, the washers, you know, restaurant. We all like to eat. Look at me. I look good, but I love to eat. <laughs> but, you know, those are the things we just got to find. And it goes back to being visionary. Come on, if you got a plan that you can present to me or the city council, we get, and we get people invested because everybody talks about where we need, where are the least of these, where we want to work to make it better for these. 
And that's what we have to do. And that's the growth part, though. That's the growth part. Me and Marquis talk, talk about growth a lot. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. not with just individuals. Right. You know, you, you, you want to grow as far as, like you said, if you invest in $10,000, you want to return on that $10,000. I'm not looking for 8000 or 7000 yeah. I lost. That's a loss. I'm in the negative now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I'm always looking for a gain. Yeah, that's a gain. And the thing we have to do, you got to shop within your community. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to shop with the marquee. No, I grew up in the grocery bin. You guys knew about the Calhoun food. It was there. And people said, why y'all close the store? Yeah. Ain't nobody closing if you're making money. It was losing money because everybody now sells groceries. You know, we hear people talk about food deserts. We don't have no grocery stores on West Montgomery. I can count five grocery stores before I get past uh, Narrow Lane Road. But, you know, Publix is not going to be everywhere. Everybody's not Publix client. So you got to shop within your community and, and be proud of what you have. You know, but you know, people, people don't go out of business when they're making money. Exactly. You know, exactly. ain't nobody going out of business making money. So that's a conception that people don't want to invest in the community. But you got to be able to return on your investment because those bankers, don't just like when you pay your car note, they ain't saying, well, hey, I ain't make the money this much. I can't pay the car note. They ain't hearing that. You got to you got to be able to pay them notes. You got to make that bill. Okay. So, what is one overall thing you hope to accomplish while serving as this company? One one of my key things the second go round. I want to really just be more involved with the the, 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 the community the, the, to like what we're doing today to kind of educate people on the process. What what so many of our people miss out on, or they don't understand the process. They don't understand what it takes to get something done. Yeah. They don't understand what it takes to get an ordinance passed. Well, I talked with Calhoun about this. He gonna know Calhoun need four more votes, and you know I got to be able to, to sell them on this idea that you presented to me. So the education process, and then making sure I get rid of a lot of this blight within our community, some of these old abandoned properties, you know, and, and that goes back. And I know when we talked about the uh, occupational tax, what we tried to use to take the infrastructure of Montgomery. Because if we don't get the money to do those things, it's not going to get done. Mm-hmm. So we needed to get more, a, more, a different tax revenue to get it. We was talking about bringing in occupational tax where everybody paid for the services in Montgomery and reducing the sales tax, mm-hmm. which is so regressive. You know, everybody paying, you know, that 10 cent on the dollar. Montgomery don't get the 10 cent. The state gets 4%, mm-hmm. 4 pennies out of every dollar. The city get three and a half percent, and then the county get two. So it's split three ways. Oh, so when people say, "Well, I get," they pay you pay ten cent sales tax in Montgomery. You paying four, no matter where you go in the state to the state, and each city has that. We get three and a half percent. So you know people don't understand that. So we want to get that blight, get the revenue stream, and leave Montgomery in a better place as we go forward. Because you know we still got blight. We still need. Street pavements, we got all of that stuff, and that's what it takes to get dollars for the infrastructure that we need. I ride my bike now, you know, during COVID-19, and, man, I, I ride in some places where I can see, you know, there's so many streets within my district uh-huh. that needs to be paid. But, you know, when you got nine districts and all of them like it is graded out poorly, fair, and good, it takes, you might get six streets paid within a year within your district because, you, yeah. you got nine district that you exactly. know our city maintenance crews got to go out and we don't subcontract it out so it takes a while so in a four-year turn you might end up getting 15 streets paid you know and one of the biggest things again my street hasn't been paid in 40 years i got a home in montgomery and i stayed on the council i moved in there in 92 and i never paid the street and i was on the council for 12 years because you know what was going to be said 
He paid his street. He paid his street. I want mine paid. He paid his street. He paid his street. That's how we are. I mean, we want what we want. Right. You know, something. Mm-hmm. But that's not always good for, yeah. you, know, you know, the whole. The whole, at yeah. that At that point. Mm-hmm. You know, but I totally understand the people, and I totally understand what you're saying right. now, because I'm getting a better understanding of yeah. how it works with Right, because you are a city council, mm-hmm. and you know, and you're right. You said like people want it now. I don't care about what this guy, what this guy. I want it now, and you know, you know, and as as elected official, you got to weigh what's best for the total. You know, I might be like, hey, I want this in District Five, but I might not have a location where we got a, a, a investor coming in and want to bring it in Montgomery. I'm like, well, I want it in District Five. I don't know where to put it, but if it comes in Montgomery, District Five gonna benefit because we get some of that tax base. That can help with some of that infrastructure stuff that I do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like everybody still, regardless of the water pop in and Riverside, everybody still get a piece of the piece pie. Of get a piece of the pie. Growth. The growth. Because that's going to bring in people. Definitely. They're gonna bring, just look at uh, EJI, mm-hmm. what he did downtown. You know, we had over, uh, right now, this guy been about a year, going on two years, and we had millions of businesses come into this city that spending nights in those hotels, buying in our restaurant. Man, before COVID-19, Montgomery is on record highs on revenue generated with what we had, conferences and different things. And people fail to realize, I'm a retired military guy, but when you look at the, the impact that Maxwell Gunner have on Montgomery with all these airmen and soldiers and the National Guard headquarters here, you know, that's an impact within your community yeah. because those houses, those people coming here with families and they're in and out. And I don't talk about our sister city because it was the birthplace where the Mars started. But look at Selva when Craig Alfield left. It drawed it up. If we lose Maxwell Gunner, man, Montgomery would be bad. It'd be bad. So uh-huh. that's something, thing that we work on, too, from a city standpoint. We have to be involved in what we call the base realignment program that comes out of Congress. So it's a relationship building from my local seat all the way up to D.C. that we have relationships with. The Congress people, the representative, Martha Roberts, the Terry Sewell, uh, you know, Richard Shelbys and, and Doug Jones. We have to have those relationships in order to get a Hyundai, to get these things to try to employ. So it, it, it's more than what meets the eye, you know. And so, you know, it's just getting the understanding of basically what goes on within this community. Okay. Okay. Uh, with so much black on black crime, what are the city council doing to somewhat try to put a halt to it? What are y'all doing as a whole, mm-hmm. and what are you doing in your own specific district? All right, you know, what we try to do as an adult and a city council, and I just want to speak directly to the black-on-black crime with our young black males. You know, we try to encourage and enhance and support organizations like yourself to give them something to do, keep them off the street. But, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. You know, I try to encourage and reach out, you know, being a school teacher, to try to teach these young people, hey, there's another way. And, and the thing is, we know what they're doing. But the question that I can't answer is why? Why is it that you can get so frustrated that the only result is to pull a gun and shoot somebody? And what I encourage my kids, and my kids were working with me at ROTC or at Lanier at the time, is, you know, don't don't take that that you can't give back. You know, don't get, and you know, we have to try to work through organizations like yourself and other numbers on conflict resolution. You know, we're so quick to say, well, man, this is, bam, and it's over. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you can't get it back. I'm sorry. Don't bring him back. Too late. Yeah. Too late. So, Too you much. know, it, it's just kind of the work with them. And it's an education process. So what I try to do specifically, you know, and it was one of the things that I did when I retired is 
people talked about education so much. Everybody talks about education. I even want, man, what teachers not doing? You're in the education profession. You're in the education. So it took me getting there to see with my own eyes. It's so much that you have to do on a daily basis to try to encourage these young people that there's a better way. Exactly. And, and I tell people all the time, we talked about in the 50s and the 60s about integrating our school system. Mm-hmm. But what we did 20 years ago, well, we segregated again when we went to neighborhood schools. And as I said, when I left from Twin Gate to go to Jeff Davis, and people were leaving from South London, going to Carver and going all over. You know, we, we, we integrated so you had a 70, 60, 40. So you got to see other cultures doing different things so you can learn from each other. You know, if I lived in just CC Lane every day, I never know what's going on around me. I got okay. blindness on. So you just kind of continue to encourage them, reach out and touch them. And, and I always say, be everywhere a young person come up and talk with you and be that example when you're out there that they can see, well, hey, I can do this too. Because if CC Calhoun from the Chicken Shack can get elected to city council, you can't. Exactly. Okay. And see, that's what Score for Achievement was about. Right. What it is about. Mm-hmm. You letting them know that it's more out there. It's more out there. I came from this, mm-hmm. so it's possible that you can do the same thing. And that was what we did as far as the uh, the, <coughs> the college tours. Okay. The college tours. When we went on college tours, I always wanted to go on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Mm-hmm. Because that's when you have the majority of the people mm-hmm. going to class. Right. You see people exchanging classes. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing someone with the hairstyle they might have today. Right. Okay, that's the one that looks exactly like you. Mm-hmm. Probably come from the same, same background right, right. as you came, that you came from. He's here. Mm-hmm. Or however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. It can be done. Mm-hmm. But it's on that individual too, though. Right. It's on the individual. It's on the individual. And the key to it and all. It's exposure. Yeah. You know, you find so many uh, uh, young people, uh, young black males, black people, that's not exposed to anything. The only thing they see is what goes on in their community, what goes on in their schools. Go back to home, go to school. They never get outside of that norm of their school or their community. That's all they see. So it, it amazes me that, you know, people get so caught up in, in just this tunnel that you never get out. And that's what keeps taking them out, getting them exposed. Hey, that half stylist guy's in college. That girl is in college. You can do it too. But when you don't see it, you don't believe it. So it's just like if I take this picture that I'm trying to paint. And if I never get it exposed, you don't see it. Exactly. So if you don't see it, you don't believe it. You got to touch it. And so that's about giving back, being around these young people and uh, in this community, trying to let them know there's another opportunity. You know, if you're not going to college, there's other options. You know, you have the military. You, I talked with a good friend of mine that works uh, executive with Alabama Power. They're looking for young men to come out. And, and what he's explained to me, within four years, you're making six figures. You know, so there's opportunities for these young people. And he was telling me with Alabama Power, they're trying to start an internship with young high school students to go ahead and get them involved in the program before they get a felony or get a record because yes. there's nothing really to get focused. And that's yes. what holds a lot of people back yeah. is getting caught up within the system. So I'm glad that we're trying to do a revise of the justice system to try to give people opportunity because you get caught up in so much small stuff that can ruin your, your career. Long term. Yeah, long term. Yeah. You know, so yeah. one of the things I share with my students is, you know, we all going to make mistakes. But always make those pencil entries in your journal as you go and not something ink like going out and murder somebody, robbing a bank and doing that kind of stuff and it stay with you long term. Wow. You know, so you just continue to talk with them because they need guidance like you guys are doing and we're, we're trying to reach out and do this. Great way of putting it. Great way of putting it. Have you received 
a one million dollar grant to use for the city any way you want mm -hmm. what would you do with it and why all right it would always be to try to reinvest in, in the education system where i can within the city of montgomery with our inner city youth you know, on some programs to try to help them like we just got to, to expose them to colleges, expose them to different things. You know, so I would say 50 percent and then the other 50 percent with, with, with education, the other would be infrastructure throughout my district. Now, I'm going to be selfless on this one. I'm not going to try to share that million dollar grant. <laughs> I'm going to take care of the citizens of District 5 on that and, and try to do some of the things that we talked about by trying to reinvest in the Normandale, tearing down some of these properties. So if I got a million dollar grant, I'm going to try to invest in the city, the, the youth through the education system within the district because you know most of our schools need so much for its infrastructure you know that that one million dollar be specifically for district, district five, five. Yeah. yeah but it'll still help the rest of it'll them help the course. rest of them yeah so anyway, so everybody so five exactly leads everybody the way five leads, the way. five leads the way five leads the way so you're the middle yeah I'm in the middle <laughs> okay uh final question do you have any aspiration to pursue other political positions if so what position um and I'm firm, you know, I have aspirations on my own or work to do, but I always have said throughout my political career that the people that you serve will determine where you go next. Mm -hmm. You know, I can have aspiration to go at a next level or another seat, but you, if the people don't believe you're doing the job that you're doing, you're not going to be able to elevate it. It's just like passing through school. If you don't do the work as a seventh grader, don't look forward to going to the eighth grader. So, you know, I have aspiration to move where I can help this city grow or this state on the state level, uh, maybe even in Congress, you know, it's about building relationship. I think I have the name recognition to get out there to do what I think in contacts throughout this United States and all around, you know, I'm diverse that I can kind of move. So I pray about it and I'll let the people within the city of Montgomery decide where CC Calhoun go next. Okay. okay. That's good. All right. That's good. That's well, good. Well, hey guys, this concludes the interview with CC Calhoun. I want to say, man, I learned a lot. Thank you, man. I learned, I learned a lot. I had some questions myself, but mm -hmm. you pretty much laid it out and you answered. Um, me and Carlos, man, we honored to have you today. I'm yeah, glad to be here, show. Man. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, we're really missing one of it. our hosts, uh, Alexis. She couldn't be here today because uh, one of her kids got sick. But uh, but get well soon, Alexis, and your little young man. Is there anything else you want to lead off, man? I just want to encourage people that's out there that's listening to this podcast, and I know we didn't talk about it. You know, we're, we're in uh, 2020. It's the census time. I encourage everybody to go out there and fill out that census because it affects how Montgomery, the state of Alabama, is for the next 10 years when we look at the next decade. So it's important that you go out and take you about five minutes to go out there. You can do it online. So I know everybody has a cell phone. Just go out there. Be counted. You know, I want you to be counted in the census just like you count your money when you go to the bank. That's what I want to encourage you to do. All right, yeah. let's conclude this segment. Thank you guys for listening. Thank in. you for listening. In. CC, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Cigar time. Yeah. <laughs>